Today is January 3rd, 2021. Welcome to Native Calabarian. Oki, Naganago, Meko Chase, Chestako Maki. My name is Red Thunder Woman. My English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. Native Calgarian is re being recorded on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Gunai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands were Treaty 7, September, signed September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, Wesley, Chiniki, and Bearspawn Nations of the Stony Nations, and the Dene from Sutina Nation. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. I honor the Blackfoot as the elders and members have been kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name. I was born here in Calgary or in Blackfoot Mokinstis as Michelle Elliott, another English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother's name is, or my mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. My father is so Canadian, I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act imposed status card. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare People, also called the Great Bear Lake People in Treaty 11. I'm a native to Turtle Island and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Clinchotine Intehe in Satu Dene, meaning Mini Horse Town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous as well as honoring the host as the guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner. My humblest apologies to Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. Any mistakes or misinterpretations would be on me. I, I also encourage questions so that misunderstandings from especially non-Indigenous, can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I share what I know as I walk down my Red Road journey. And apparently because my life and content are triggering, if you're experiencing emotional distress after hearing anything we talk about today and want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's toll free, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can also text at www.hopeforwellness.ca. Uh, if more related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, for immediate emotional assistance, you can call 1-844-413-6649. It is a national toll-free 24-hour crisis line, open seven days a week, and it provides support for anyone requiring emotional assistance related to the issue. For non-Indigenous, there are distress center lines in your area, usually the functioning 211, or you can call a 24 hours, seven days a week uh, free line that is 1-833-456-4566. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. I want to say thank you to my previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or you're watching and you can afford to give, thank you. To those that cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or your questions. I also have a YouTube channel where you can subscribe or you can go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcast and you can go to my uh, social media and find most of the pin, po most of the pin posts there. 
So this is the first episode on the colonial calendar of 2021, and what a hot mess of a year it has been. The irony is, is that the first year based off the colonial calendar, um, this is the first one I put a lot of thought into a year-end episode, because when I was younger, I loved year-end shows like on Much Music and entertainment shows and such. So I did want to talk about some highlights. Um, first and foremost, to me, this is a personal diary, but when I am able to host a guest, that's actually a huge big deal for me. Uh, so to start off, we in January 17th, we had Shannon Foster from Australia making her my first international guest ever. Uh, Shannon is a saltwater knowledge keeper, educator, artist, feminist, and P um, PhD candidate the University of Technology of Sydney in Australia. We were really lucky to have her come onto the show and talk about fires and indigenous ways of knowing and knowledge um, because I know it's a long time ago, but a year ago, Australia was on fire. And um, the original people, they have knowledge about how to prevent fires or at least how to reduce the spread and uh, yeah, I thought that was really important for the time. Um, I want to fast forward a little bit to um, Ian Campano on January 26th. I gave him a shout out. Uh, you might know him as DJ Indian because he, he said something that really resonated. And, and it was saying that Indigenous people are living a post-apocalyptic state. And that really has helped change my worldview in a positive way. It, it helped articulate what I see. So I really always will appreciate Ian's contribution to helping me change my worldview. And, and it was also through the help of a, I don't know um, what term, terminology to use through Twitch and gaming and, and that, but a, a person named Loxie Blix, um, who I, I'm lucky enough to get to know a little bit on Twitter they are the ones that kind of put us together on a Twitch account. And I haven't really utilized that form. I don't know how to, but maybe that's something in the new year I'll think about. But, you know, if it wasn't for a local settler who was trying really hard to be a good ally, that moment would have never happened. So thank you, Loxie, if you're, if you're ever paying attention or listening. Um, regardless, if you're listening, I just need to say thank you because it matters to me. On February 16th, um, I was lucky enough to idle, have uh, Idle No More Calgary, a few of the new um, activists named Katie, Heather, and Sarah that wanted to talk about, you know, Idle No More from their perspective and um, how to be in more solidarity with the Wet'suwet'en. So it was great to have them on. I'm, I'm forever grateful. Uh, March 10th. This is sad, but it's, it's important for me to remember. Uh, Leanne Charbonneau. She is a, or was a Métis um, friend of mine down in Medicine Hat, and she had been battling cancer for a long time and had passed away. And Tove is a white settler that um, her family has worked really hard at being good allies. And they both passed away at the same time on February 29th. And it's we obviously wanted to dedicate that episode to them and their memory and just thinking about them right now today makes me happy and I'm grateful to have crossed paths with you. But then March 15th kind of changed everything. Um, we had a conversation about coronavirus, Indigenous health and COVID-19. If you're playing bingo, this would be your first time you've heard me say that word and um, 
I'm, I'm going to try not to focus too much on this uh, for the entire episode because I think we all need a break from that. Um, so anyway, Indigenous health issues obviously have a very different lens to them with racism. And I thought it was important to highlight a lot of those issues and fears that we, we have because if it wasn't for smallpox, frankly, I don't think even I would be here in Blackfoot territory. So thanks for to germ warfare. Um, we're here and trying to figure out what treaty relationships really mean when we don't even really acknowledge, you know, what smallpox did to the Blackfoot population. Um, March 22nd, uh, that was kind of a, a key moment because D Dr. Dina Henshaw was just being introduced to Alberta. But for my husband and I, we grew up with Dina. So it was, um, it was a fun episode to just do a tribute and talk about what it was like growing up with her. Um, I'd love to have her on the show. Obviously, since the pandemic, she has been unable to do any type of media because of the importance of her role. Um, but maybe one day I'll have her on when she's no longer the chief medical officer. We'll see if she agrees to something like that. Um, that said, later in the year, I did end up blocking one of her relatives because of racism. But, you know, that's another conversation. March 30th, Tiff Tiffany um, helped me with getting a transcripted episode of the one, the only, Sable Sweetgrass. One of my favorite people. Um, and, and the reason why is because Sable Sweetgrass is not just Blackfoot, but is uh, openly uh, two-spirit and talks about uh, the challenges that they face. And like Sable has helped normalize for me why it was important for me to pull my daughter from, uh, you know, the colonial CBE, which I will absolutely get to at the end of the show. Um, May 5th. Oh, Marigold was on the show. Marigold, it, she was originally Miss Calgary, just a young single digit child and has grown and become, you know, a, a teenager and now an international model. And her mom, Lily, is an amazing role model and um, also won um, one of those titles for, I, I don't want to minimize it and say beauty pageants, but a, a pageant where you have to showcase your talents and such. And, uh, and of course, they're both really pretty too. So um, April 26th, Jacqueline Topoliski. Oh, this was a really great episode about, um, uh, so I will actually tell you that Carleton University on May 11th put out there in the category of news advisory that uh, sociology MA student Jacqueline recently participated in a podcast, The Native Calgarian, to have a conversation about being Métis, reconnecting with Indigenous identity, and being an Indigenous person in academia. In this podcast, she explored some of the challenges facing Indigenous individuals in the Canadian uh, criminal justice system. The Native Calgarian is, I wouldn't say the, I would just say Native Calgarian, is a podcast that discusses politics, Indigenous issues, social issues, LGBTQ2+, and much more click here to listen to the podcast that's on their website. So, um, but it was really great to have her on and talk about all of those issues specifically. But um, yeah, I, th I just want to say that came to be because of a conversation we were having, I want to say on Instagram. And I just think it's really important if you're indigenous to know, you're always welcome on the show anytime to talk about anything of importance that you want to discuss. And, you know, for me, it's just humbling. I'm honored to have anyone on this one. April 27th, Rashir Muhammad, uh, he's one of my favorite people in Alberta because he's a racialized man up in uh, Edmonton. 
and we talked about uh, the Cargill plant and the migrant worker rights issues that we have here in Alberta. Um, you know, I really think that that was an important episode. We called it an emergency episode because it was necessary with all of the migrant workers that were contracting um, COVID-19 at the time. But the systemic racism that blames the victims and what pissed me off the most about that is, you know, if you, by blaming the victim, it shows you don't understand, you know, settler colonial relations, that you don't understand that there's still like two, three tiers of, uh, you know, human being in, in what we call Canada today, because um, migrant rights don't have the same rights. They do have systemic barriers. And for folks to be so oblivious to that after what Harper did and Jason Kenney did federally and then provincially, like I, I can't wrap my brain around it, but it shows me you're racist. That's what it shows me. So it was a real honor to have Bashir Muhammad on the show to talk about the uh, intricacies of these issues. On May 1st, oh, this was such a blessing to have Jesse Went come on my show. Um, for those who don't understand the gravity of who this man is, he's an Ojibwe from uh, Serpent River First Nation, an arts journalist and a chairperson of the Canada Council for the Arts. Basically anything of importance in arts, this is the guy you follow. Um, I follow him with um, a great amount of admiration. And I think that uh, for him to take the time to be on my show was beyond a blessing. I. I got to talk to Jesse. So if you didn't catch that episode, go listen to him and you can hear, um, you know, his institutional knowledge that he has of Canadian arts in general. And obviously um, some jokes and laughs as well. Uh, May 10th was a needed conversation about abandoning conversion therapy. I didn't technically have a guest yet, but I thought it was a really important episode to highlight for those who don't understand to this day. Um, Today, while I talk about reconciliation and all of the hurt and pain Christian colonialism has imposed on Indigenous people, they still do this work against the LGBTQ2 community um, by having conversion therapy. And it's an awful term because it's not real therapy, it's just trauma. It's like conversion trauma. And, um, you know, it's open and happening in my city. And today, everybody's happily applauding um, the TNC by partnering with an actual church group that still does conversion therapy. Um, so these are really problematic issues and I don't know why it's not on the radar of everybody, but I guess today, right now, Twitter is losing it because the UCP uh, went on vacation for Christmas and, you know, during COVID-19 when they're telling everybody else to stay home, it's coming out that they not just not stayed home, but went on vacation while people are like dying. And, um, you know, you can't even go see people in the hospital. We were all told to stay home for Christmas. We made the hard decision to stay home. And here are these <laughs> jerks going around the world. One went to UK and today we have um, a new strain of COVID-19 that they don't know anything about. And this jerk face went there for a vacation and came back here and there's no barriers or nothing. So, you know, it, it's, it's really, really annoying. Let's just say that where we're at with this whole conversion therapy and the lack of understanding. Like, how do I gap people who, like it took that for people to be upset 
not conversion therapy and the harm that they and the trauma they actually inflict on the LGBTQ2 plus. Whatever. I live in a different reality. And that's why I have this podcast. <laughs> May 24th, I was lucky enough to have Judy L and Lisa on and we talked about indigenous issues from a Calgary perspective. L um Lisa more of a youth voice as well Judy uh, she had done some books that she or uh, done a book that she had published and we were encouraging folks to listen to that as well um May 29th I was lucky enough to have Josh from Chestermere he's a he's a GSA Alberta um uh guest chair founder of of the GSA Alberta and uh he and, and I spoke about, you know, issues in Chestermere and all sorts of things. So, but obviously related to LGBTQ2 plus issues, because um, it's incredibly important. And, you know, he wants to learn more about Indigenous issues. So, you know, we tried. We tried to do what we need to do. Um, June had our fourth anniversary of our book club. So for those who don't know, I have a book club called Chapters in Chat, uh, which now, as of today, you can find on YouTube. Um and only because I apparently forgot to, you know, tell my husband to upload it. That one's not on my podcast, but it is in YouTube. And I do have, uh, YouTube is, is a new thing for me. Um, did I already miss that I had Heather on here? I know Heather was one of my first um, Zoom and, I guess, YouTube type um, interviewers because this was new to me. We all did the, you know, industry term of pivot. Now that uh, we couldn't be together, we had to socially distance. So I learned how to do Zoom, started an account and um, all that nice jazz. So we're just kind of doing a transition of trying to get all of the podcasts and YouTube's kind of linked. But as of today, everything is going really good. So that's good. Um, June 13th, Chad Cowie. So Chad Cowie is, I would say, one of my best friends. He's uh, a PhD candidate, and he talks about settler-indigenous relations, and um, it's just great having him on my show because it's somebody I can have a conversation with that understands most of the time, and I'm sure if you are a regular listener, you hear me meeting people at their level of work, their level of understanding Indigenous-Canadian relations. Um, with Chad and I, like, obviously, we have a uh, <laughs> very different perspective together. And it's just so refreshing and needed. He literally is my self care, because he, he sees Canada for what it is, which is a, you know, placed, <sighs> displacing Indigenous people for, you know, a Britishly, a British accepted term that everybody just for some reason accepts. Anyway, uh, so I love having him on. I hope he comes on more because he would be a great co-host, one, to talk about all these issues, but two, he's just brilliant. And um, yeah, so June 20th, I had a great conversation with, oh, Aziz, Aziz Friedman about the petition that he started. So um, back in June, a lot of people were talking about RCMP Commissioner uh, Brenda Lucky and Deputy Commissioner Curtis uh, Zavalaki, um, and trying to get them to resign because they just struggled so much with their definition of systemic racism. So I checked that petition today, and as of today, there's still only 777 people who have signed it. So if you missed that, um, 
you know, one, you can look for the previous episode and sign up, but two, I'll repost it. And if you Google um, C-O-M-M, Lucky, and D-O, or D-E-P, calm, Zabonski, uh, should resign to move the RCMP past systemic racism, you will find the change.org petition. So June 20th, Natalie Jovanek, one of my favorite people in the entire world and my first real returning guest. Uh, we talked about, um, you know, anti-oppression, racism, roles of settler and settlers and colonialism. Every time she comes, I am so grateful because they remind, or they remind me, I'm grateful every time they come because they remind me that Germans, you know, didn't just institute Hitler and fascism being bad, but made systemic changes so that Germany would reflect that. Uh, they educate their people, unlike Canada did with an indigenous issues and Natalie Words attitude is what I think Canadians should aspire to in our system, to be honest about the genocide here. The denial, you know, educating our population and making systemic changes. It is so unbelievable that I have to strike a committee to rename Langevin School, but here we are in 2021 because Canadians are so daft and just don't get their role. But thank God for Natalie and helping me feel normal in this insane world that I'm in because this denial and gaslighting hurts. So anyway, June 30th, Matt, Matt Ashcroft from Toronto came on to talk about conversion therapy. He's actually like, I would say not just a national spokesperson, but I would say an international spokesperson about the harms that conversion therapy have. And since then he and I, we've actually, we realized we actually have a commonality in Kingston that I would have never guessed would come to, if you would have told me 30 years ago about this commonality, there's no way I would have known. But anyway, the mayor of Kingston happens to be married to the maid of honor, my maid of honor. And um, yeah, he apparently was a part of a church that's a part of conversion therapy. So we've had a lot of interesting conversations about that intersectionality. And for those who don't know, I grew up in Sylvan Lake, very prominent Christian um, town. At the time, we only had about 2,000 people. We had at least, what, eight churches because they have all of those Christian denominations that can never agree on anything. So anyway, very interesting conversations and how it ties into today to our conversations. Uh, July 20th, Chapters and Chat with... Um, so Chapters and Chat is my book club, and we were lucky enough to have uh, Gabrielle Fiant come on to talk about the Truth and Reconciliation Commission called Action 66, which focuses very specifically on youth and, um, and her experience with, you know, Canadian roots and um, the work that she does now with her organization as a result. They had made a roadmap to help um, the government in understanding the framework to have Indigenous youth properly included, and it was really sidelined and given the contract given to Canadian Roots. And I thought it was a really important conversation because, um, you know, the irony is because of marketing, Canadian Roots does such a great job of promoting themselves. So that's where we're at. And that makes it really hard when you have a roadmap that was sidelined. Um, 
So that's what happened. Anyway, it's taped and recorded and up for those who are actually interested in some of the calls to action and what it's looking like for Indigenous people on the ground. Uh, July 22nd, I had Tank Standing Buffalo on my show, which was super exciting. So for those who don't know who Tank is, um, he's an artist. He's um, He actually, since then, has been... Uh, one of the folks that had been in the film festival route um, circuits, I didn't really understand this world that until the last six months, it's been a real honor and blessing to get to know Tank and get to know uh, Christine Cook from Chaos. I'd love to have her on my show one day um, and talk about all the initiatives that have happened as a result of her work. And anyway, so with Tank, he um, does a short films, short animated films. And a long time ago, once upon a time, he used to do tattoos and he's been instrumental in the two tattoos that I have uh, on my arms. So really grateful for this man and the work he does. And his partner is a fabulous um, artist as well and a musician, actually. And I hope you got a chance to check it out. I'd love to hear what you thought of the show. Uh, in July, we celebrated over 100 episodes. Um, you know, I've included cultural safety training, cultural first aid, uh, in order to create a safer space for Indigenous people of color, those with disabilities, and LGBTQ2 plus to speak. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that, uh, given how many resources, the same resources in some cases, but other ones as well in the different episodes. So I'm really proud of that because I know I've given free cultural training and I can at least name at least a hundred times I've done it. So, oh, August was interesting. Oh, August was really painful for me personally, but that's not about what's going to be on the show. Um, it was my first time learning about the legal system and lateral violence at the ugliest level I've ever seen. So anyway, um, and almost losing an indigenous youth. And I, to this day, will never get to know what happened to her. But regardless... Um, in August, I was lucky enough to have quite a few different uh, um, guests here. I got Senator Patrick Brazo. This is a man I've been wanting to talk to for a long time. I couldn't really guide him into the direction I, I wanted to with him because uh, he's a conservative and he kind of has his own message. But, you know, basically what had brought it up was I wanted to highlight he went through hell and back. Um, he went through hell and back with the whole... Um, Senate scandal and what really brought him on the show was that he was trying to do a little more accountability online and in indigenous circles that matters I think uh, you know for a man who has a, a negative history if you were to google his name and you would see the type of charges that have been brought up against him it's they're ugly and yet you know, when you start down the path of actual sobriety, um, accountability, red road, I, I mean, this is a man who's always been immersed in his culture, from what I understand. I think it's important when you start making some progress, some important steps, and he was trying to do that and talk about his road of sobriety. So I wanted to give him space to do that. We didn't go down nearly as much as I wanted to there. And I couldn't really tackle too much about, you know, systemic racism and politics, but still a great episode, I thought. And it was such an honor to have him on uh, because 
why would a conservative or a former conservative senator, indigenous senator, and a, a liberal indigenous um, person want to want to chit chat? So thought it was great. Um, August eighth. This was a good episode. Uh, Eric, he is wheelchair bound and he has his own podcast. And we talked about what it was like for him to exist in this world. And, you know, it, it was really brought up and emphasized him and Kent Hare, people who I would consider friends, people who I would like it. I'm not much of a host person. I don't, you know, entertain too much. But at the end of the day, neither one could come to my door if they wanted to. Um, they certainly come, couldn't come in, have a party. Um, my washroom is not set up for them to be able to do their business the way they would need to. And I think that that is a great example of how we as able-bodied people really forget um, our privileges that we have. I think in the winter, it's a lot easier to remember when you have to shovel your snow and, and walkways that, you know, there's a lot of barriers but I think um, in, the, in a perfectly nice, beautiful summer day, I still couldn't have my friends come over if I wanted to. So I hope, I hope it was a, as impactful to you as it was to me. Thank you, Eric, for being on my show and um, having me look. The next time I buy a house, I know I will be changing what I consider buying as a result of this one conversation. So I hope others feel that way. August 22nd, Vanessa Ortez came on to my show. You know, this person is um, a longstanding member of my book club. Uh, she came all the way from Cochrane to Forest Lawn on a regular basis just to go over converse, our conversations on settler colonial relations. Uh, this is a teacher, and uh, she really seen her responsibility as an educator, as a settler, but the irony is over the course of time, like I said to her, but you're, you're my cousin, you're my sister, you're my indigenous sister from Mexico, uh, from Mexico. <laughs> and uh, her and her, her, her daughter, this is not funny, um, experienced a really awful incident and, you know, expressed it at my book club. And I was really grateful and proud of her daughter. So over the course of time, um, this year especially, Vanessa felt that she had to organized Black Lives Matter rallies and anti-racism rallies in Cochrane and did, and I can't believe she shut down Main Street and we marched on Main Street. And it was a wonderful event. And she keeps doing anti-racism work in Cochrane, which is so incredibly needed. And I love her to pieces. I think she's a force of nature. And her daughter spoke at the Black Lives Matter rally and it was incredible. Vanessa does a lot of work with um, migrant um, Alberta as well so she's she's out there she's doing good work and I'm grateful I'm grateful to hear very specifically from her what an immigrant um, experience is like so a beautiful human being uh, I was also lucky enough to have AJ Fallen Child come on um, he's from Red Deer and he has two twins he's a big deal on TikTok now I think he has a pretty big following um, and he's, you know, he's doing those types of rallies now too out, out in Red Deer. And, um, you know, so he came to Calgary and, and we did some work. I dropped off some sage at his place. You know, we've, we've gotten to know each other and I was really grateful he came on my show too. I also that day had to have an emergency conversation with my friend Chad Cowie, my bestie, because at that time the John A. McDonald statues were 
being vandalized, conversations about them coming down, and a very uncomfortable conversation for a lot of uh, settlers uh, in Canada who hold this man at a wonderful, you know, glory glorified founding father of Canada. So Chad and I had to, uh, you know, vent. <laughs> so that was wonderful. Uh, and then September uh, kind of changed directions a bit. So I had a fellow who wanted to remain anonymous. So I kept calling him some guy about uh, racism in funeral homes. And why that's relevant is that as Indigenous people, we have to deal with these funeral homes so often and it was really incredible to hear him as a you know white settler explain what he's seen that he knew is wrong behind the scenes so if you were interested in that that was in September um, October I was lucky enough to have Carl McKay he's a Métis and he was uh, trying to do some reconciliation work with his local uh, municipality and as usual these boards are so colonial they stop any positive, you know, reconciliation progress. So know if you are out there and you feel alone on reconciliation, you're welcome on my show too. And Carl came on to talk about, you know, low hanging fruit, easy solutions when it came to this. Um, also on my show was Autumn Eagle Speaker. <sighs> I love her too. She's just, she's one of the founders of Idle No More Calgary. Uh, so this would have been 2012. And uh, that was kind of how I got to know her. She was a former liberal as well. So we had some commonalities there. Autumn is also part black. So the Black Lives Matter movement, along with the Indigenous Lives Matter movement, like these are a lot of things that intersect. And it was wonderful to have her on. I'm so grateful. And FYI, she makes the best cookies ever. And her kids are the luckiest kids on the planet to eat her cookies. Uh, September 20th, when I went solo. I don't know why I have that in there then. Uh, Selena Thibault on October 30th. Uh, this is a wonderful woman who survived domestic violence. She spoke a lot about her experience, but she also talked about um, what it's like to be a, uh, in Canada and have uh, partially black kids, to be Indigenous, to deal with 60 Scoop, to deal with uh, liver transplant. One of the things that she talks a lot about is autoimmune compromised um, issues because of her uh, of her transplant issues that she's had. So, I mean, such a range of conversations to have with Selena. I hope you didn't miss that show. Uh, in November, I was lucky enough to have Deidre. So Deidre put out an album and she's an artist. Um, I was working with her with Chaos. She had done an interview with Tank, um, with, with Tank, and but we also did uh, some RESP events for Canada Learning Bond, and she was the host when we had the youth, which was incredible. Uh, November 10th, we I was lucky enough to host Jenny from, uh, her new magazine is called Big Kitty, and that was actually my very first ad that I have ever placed, but Big Kitty is a local indie magazine for Calgary, and you know, she's a person of color. I I believe she said she was half Japanese. And so we ended up having a conversation about the Japanese intern camps and how it was really interesting. What I learned from her was that because her generation is the one mother, like one parent was Japanese and the other one wasn't. So they, they're a mixed group that she feels kind of, it was just a cool conversation to have. So I talked about the Sakamoto's a bit in um, Medicine Hat. 
And she said, like, there's such a network of trying to understand that generation of youth. So I found that a fascinating conversation. But because she has so much institutional knowledge of uh, Canada's music scene and, and or uh, art scene, I should say, um, it was just great conversation. And for her to launch a magazine in Calgary during a pandemic was a pretty big deal. So I was really honored to be in that and to place that ad. And uh, yeah, I just want to say thanks, Jenny, for being on the show. Oh, November 13th. <laughs> this was one of the most graphic ones we've ever done. That's why we have content uh, warnings now. Not just because of that one. Apparently everything I say is a content warning. But regardless, Izzy came on and talked about what it was like to have bottom surgery, that entire process during the pandemic, nonetheless healing what that's like and um i mean we're friends on facebook and like a hilarious person with the best updates i just hope you loved that show as much as i did because it was fabulous um i also had uh, boban on and for those who don't remember this is a an activist that is an lgbtq2 plus activist um he does the rainbow train here in calgary where he brings in folks from all across the world that are marginalized because of their LGBTQ2 plus status, um, you know, have, have to come to a safer place. And when I say safer, I use that term loosely considering the conversion therapy conversations we have, but you know, he talked about an incident that happened to him of hate and how many bystanders stood around. And again, that's why I'm glad we talk about bystander intervention on the show every episode because it's important. It's important for people to understand that your silence is complicity. But the silence where that happened ended up having him come to Canada and enriching our community. And I'm just honored he would come on to our show to talk about that. Um, I was also in December. We had Amber, two young men, to talk about filmmaking and being in Big Kitty magazine. And we talked about her struggle with getting her nephew's status card through her band because of the two-spirit issue. and. Um, you know, I was also lucky in December to have the Canadian Youth Letters Project with Sarah, Danica, and Cassidy. So, yeah, that brought me to 36 guests. Woo! What a great, great year of episodes and guests. So, you know, this has always been a personal diary podcast. And every time I get a guest to come on, I am really blessed. And this year was beyond humbling. Um, I know I've seen a lot of reflection posts and I'd like, I mean, I post like 20 things a day on social media, so I have no idea how to encapsulate that. But I can tell you, I can't thank the guests enough for coming on my show. You know, um, we can talk really quickly offhandedly about, you know, current things in the media that's happening to us. And it's just great having people on here. So I, I learned from them. I hope you do. And the, vis the viewers and listeners did too. Thank you for being on my show. I debated having two episodes, so uh, there might be a, kind of a cut here, and you will be seeing the second part of, of this episode. Um, but it's just so much work to have a podcast, so I knew we had to do this. It's January 3rd, and I have a new committee, which I sure didn't need more unpaid volunteer work to do, that's for sure. Uh, tangent moment that was brought to you by my neighbor 
who, while I was trying to clear the you know, snow in front of his car, told me that my volunteer work is unpaid for a reason, um, because it's obviously not important. So I, we got a big dump of snow, and that really pissed me off. Anyway, 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 I wanted to give a shout out to the big fat fake birth of, uh, our, of the colonial savior that Canada is founded upon. Anyway, anyway, if you do learn anything from these podcasts and my book club or social media shares, feel free to give a buck to my Patreon account, as apparently my volunteer work does not matter. Anyway, back to the new committee. For those who don't know, the Calgary Board of Education, a monster of a colonial institution here in Calgary, that we either send our kids to or a Catholic-run board, worships monsters like eugenic proponents, like any other colonial structure that founded Canada, whether it's John A. Macdonald, Hector Langevin, or Nellie McClun, while history writes beautiful stories about these folks and, quote, you know, devoting their lives to others, unquote, what it really should read is devoting their lives to colonialism and white people on stolen Indigenous lands. I'm sure all of my listeners can appreciate the ongoing genocide Calgary, Alberta, and Canada continues to thrive on is considered a minority issue, but I think it's a pretty big deal to erase genocide. Like, say, Hitler, or say the worst things to the Jewish community about Hitler's quote-unquote accomplishments. So I'm sure you can understand beyond the bias, the racism, in the actual staff and teachers of the current structure, why Canada is failing Indigenous students in the current colonial system with structural racism and excluding Indigenous education, land acknowledgements, treaty obligation teachings, erasing Canadian policies that created trauma in Indigenous and having the actual audacity to have a school named Langevin. After years of the TRC report and the RCAP report, still not changing the damn name. So many settlers have tried to institute anti-racism policies decades ago here in Calgary in the education system. Others have spoke out about the Langevin landmarks throughout the city. So as of today, January 3rd, 2021, on their website, it states our school name. Langevin School was named after Sir Hector Langevin, who was one of the fathers of Confederation. He visited Calgary in 1885 and at the request of City Council petitioned the Northwest Territories government for funds to build a bridge over the Bow River at 4th Street Edmonton Trail. <sighs> From the city website, I would like to remind folks that may not know, Langevin Bridge was renamed Reconciliation Bridge at a renaming event. And I'm just going to take some quotes from the Calgary website. Reconciliation Bridge in Calgary t- took on its current name change in 2017 to facilitate our city's progress of healing and public truth sharing that acknowledges and redresses uh, past harms. While the name change occurred in 2017, an official naming event took place on May 26, 2018. Calgarians gathered at the south and north sides parts of the bridge to mark the event. Elders gathered on the north side of the bridge and gave ceremonial blessings and prayers to the Creator to inspire the healing of all spirits connected to this land now and in the future, allowing all to exist in harmony. The elders and youth from their communities held a prayer circle before taking a solemn walk across the bridge. The event continued to the south side of the bridge with flag songs, drumming, speeches, and round dance. The renaming of Reconciliation Bridge was supported unanimously unanimously by City Council 
following a notice of motion submitted by Mayor Nahid Ninchi and a majority of the councillors. It is one of the many acts of reconciliation the city has planned with the Indigenous community in and around Calgary. These acts are outlined in the White Goose Flying Report drafted in 2016 to address recommendations made. Ooh, calls to action. I see you use term recommendations. I know you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, City of Calgary. Made by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. That's the end of the quote. And you can find that right on their website. So it's very pretty, but it's very colonial, whitewashed, and unaccountable. Uh, Langevin is the founding father. That was the architect of genocide with Indian residential schools and boarding schools. This is a fundamental racial structure of genocide. It was safer to go to war than the Indian residential or boarding schools. We have unmarked graves around the schools. And sadly, in order to hide their genocide, many school lands have actually been sold to private farmers so that our kids' graves can, can continue being treated like that. And that's Canada's shame. I've spoken to my own CBE representative face-to-face, -face, which while it means everything indigenous ways, used to mean something in non-native circles once upon a time too. When we were running, it was clear that my issues of anti-racism and indigenous issues were beyond her. So I knew my issues were gonna go unaddressed, which is partly why I didn't vote for her and probably won't again. She was politically ambitious, had a great team, got elected and became chair of the board. The Langevin School Board Trustee is someone I'm lucky enough to know, uh, Richard Hare. I know he is supportive, but there are barriers of getting this done. So um, I was reached out to by a parent of the kids that attend. Uh, they had done some work and quit due to barriers. One of those barriers was the lack of Indigenous at the table, and they as settlers did not want to speak for Indigenous. Now to the Indigenous people who listen, yes I know. Justice reform, child welfare reform, Indian Act issues, sovereignty issues, and stopping ongoing genocide are our key issues, 100%. That said, as Indigenous, we can still add our voice to causes like this one. I've gotten even lateral violence for speaking out against Halloween costumes, for God's sakes. But while I can laugh and brush that off, settlers use it as a moment of confusion. Um, I recently had to explain that on a book club. I'll get there. I don't want to go off script. Um, I don't want to be a token Indian that solidifies and justifies settler colonial racism so openly. In our teachings, we must use our words in a good way and or our families will spirit, suffer spiritually from that bad medicine. We must unite and see these issues are interconnected. My child is not the only child disconnected from their settler teacher's colonial teachings. Many Indigenous youth are disconnected from these structures as a result of so many things, including a colonial name like Langevin. We must start somewhere. We want our youth to thrive. If you're Indigenous, I guarantee that there are settlers in your area trying to make changes to honour reconciliation, but are unsure where your voice of support is on an issue. If you're an Indigenous person wanting to help in this instance, help me, um, send me a letter, uh, a letter explaining why you would support a name change of a school away from Langevin at Native Calgarian, or sorry, nativeyyc at gmail.com, and I'll forward it to the CBE and the committee so that they can feel more confident. To the Calgary Board of Education, please change the name of Langevin School. It should have been removed 
way sooner than now. And instead, I'm forced to devote unpaid volunteer time to this because you've marginalized the white settler and native youth and teachers and staff and community members that have asked you to do this sooner. You expect the lowest economic demographics to do more unpaid work because you refuse to change. Your job is to educate children in a safe environment. Your education that your teaching is based on is racism and it's hurting the self-esteem and spirit of indigenous youth and inadvertently teaching non-indigenous, it's okay to do it. So change the name. I could go on forever, but I'll tie this to a bigger picture of blind systemic racism in education to honor 10-year-old Isabel uh, Kaluk. Tomorrow, July, January 4th, is Ribbon Shirt Day and Ribbon Skirt Day. Why? Because in Camp Sac Comprehensive Institute, a staff member shamed Isabella for wearing her ribbon skirt on formal day. From CTV's coverage, Isabella's parents said that they were hurt by the incident, adding that they are extremely proud of their Indigenous heritage and culture. We noticed that she was really sad and not being herself, and it was later in the evening that she finally opened up and told what happened. And it broke my heart, said Lana, her mom. We want to be involved in reconciliation and resolving these long-lasting, long-lasting, long-standing racial issues in our schools, in our hospitals, and our police forces. It is something everyone needs to work on, and they need to start right now, says Chris, Isabella's father. So I want to say thank you to CTV for that coverage and to Isabella. I'm sorry this happened. I wish I could do more to change the system to stop ignorance from hurting your spirit. Um, I know you and your family have taken your power back and I'm proud of you to support you and this work. And I will be wearing my ribbon skirt tomorrow in solidarity. I will post a picture and I will tag you and I hope other people do as well. And I want to say thank you for using this as a teaching tool. Uh, my 13-year-old daughter was not safe in her schools. Uh, when it talked about two-spirit issues, Indigenous issues, she was marginalized um, by the very group that was committee that was to come in to teach about Indigenous issues. I don't know what to say about that. What, you know, she ended up making a beautiful ribbon skirt and um, thanks to... Uh, a friend that did most of the teachings and then I helped her finish it up. I've been taught many cool things about ribbon skirts. We could probably do a whole episode. But to you and your parents, you are welcome on my show anytime to talk about this or to talk about whatever you want to talk about. And I would be honored to have you on my show. So I just want you to know how grateful I am that you put that out there into Chris's Chris or Isabella's father that you made it very clear everyone needs to work on this and they need to start right now they need to start yesterday so I am proud that this podcast has given solutions and included cultural safety training or cultural first aid in almost every single episode to create a safer space for indigenous people of color those with a disability and lgbtq2 plus to speak so I wanted to give a shout out to a lot of the resources that I've been talking about, uh, very specifically to heretohelp.bc.ca for your what is cultural safety and why I should care about it link. Uh, the authors, of course, are Indigenous, Cheryl Ward, uh, Chelsea Branch, 
and Alicia Fridkin. Uh, so Cheryl Ward is an uh, Indigenous and educator, curriculum writer, and has worked on several Indigenous cultural uh, safety projects. Cheryl developed, uh, I don't know how to say this, an uh, Indigenous cultural safety training program uh, with the Provincial Health Services Authority, where she is currently the inert Director, Interim Director of Indigenous Health and Provincial Lead for the program. Cheryl studies Indigenous-specific racism at Simon Fraser University. Uh, Chelsea Branch is the manager of the Indigenous Cultural Safety Program, same one. She is a white settler of Irish and English ancestry, and her research interests are focused on non-Indigenous peoples' responses to Indigenous-specific racism in educational settings. Chelsea lives in the unceded territory of the Coast Salish peoples in Vancouver. And then Alicia is a senior policy analysis of Indigenous health. Uh, she's a white settler colonial, or white colonial settler with Eastern European ancestry, living and working in unceded Coast Salish territory in Vancouver. Her academic research focuses on the meaningful involvement of Indigenous people in health policy decision-making. Boy, that's timely. Their work are those cultural action tools that I have said over hundreds of times in my podcast. So please support Indigenous work that as part of your reconciliation settler understandings. And I'm just lucky enough to highlight them and repeat them. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous and marginalized people experienced by the structure of racism imposed on these lands. I have uh, racialequitytools.org by Donna Bevins as a really good resource for that. I spoke a little earlier about that um, when it comes to what are considered lower issues of importance for Indigenous people, but as a result, our kids are unsafe in schools. Anyway, uh, do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by American Friends Service Committee. They also are great. I've been talking about, you know, don't call, don't call the police long before uh, this year. And I'm really honored that I added to that with these types of resources. And I want to say thank you to all of those resources that I've been able to highlight them and uh, put them in my podcast as a result of your great work. Um, Indigenous have been talking about the issue of sharing our traumas in reports, commissions, and in public hearings just so it can be regularly disregarded no more. Honor our words, honor the treaties, listen to politicians in their policies and platforms. They don't recognize the marginalized in their budgets with Gender Equity Plus if they are cutting violence prevention programs and services. Indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay-straight alliances, Lack of human rights for migrants, immigrants, folks with disabilities. Know that your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action. The recommendations of the World Commission on Aboriginal Peoples report, the multiple reports on child welfare reform and violence prevention programs. And now 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, and Two-Spirit. Denying those reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the justice, educational, and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same things. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. 
if they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, and sexism, they literally have zero business running. This should be understood by all parties or local politicians, community organizations, sports organizations, etc. Uh, and a shout out for Cleveland for finally changing their goddamn name, as well as the um, Edmonton Football Club. Great article I said out loud in episode 62 is Truth Before Truth, How Non-Indigenous People Become Allies. It's not from a lack of resources that you guys don't get it. I don't know what to say. If you're experiencing emotional distress after hearing anything I talked about today and want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It is full free, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can text hopeforwellness.ca if it's related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit. There is a toll-free 24-hour crisis line at 1-844-413-6649. Yeah, and if you're not Indigenous, usually there's a functioning 211 in your area, and if not, uh, 1-833-456-4566 is a crisis line, national. Violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast, to speak freely, without interruption, without tone policing, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, but sure want to tell us theirs, usually by people who know nothing about colonialism or uh, the constant surveillance of our protests, our vigils, our rights, typical microaggressions, and then there's the people dealing with internalized racism who are gatekeepers and survive off the status quo. And people who are so in their trauma, they stop people from doing the work and deplete personal resources. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. It is sad I needed a podcast for a boundary to be heard, but here we are. I want to say thank you to my ancestors, my granny, my mom of what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt, my stepmom for showing me what proud culture is through her Austrian family and roots and stepping up and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. It is through her, I am a second generation proud Calgarian. Thank you to my husband Darcy for producing and editing the show on top of being my husband, my childhood friend, father of our child and support down my journey of the red road. He has witnessed decades of racism and sexism and to our child who we are blessed to learn from daily we are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a stronger and better person. And I hope that my daughter and my family will be proud in the future of us trying to discuss these present day issues in a way that they can understand. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian where you can pledge and support. Thank you to my previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you to those that cannot afford to give. I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or your questions. I also have a YouTube channel where you can go and subscribe. Uh, you can go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and the pin posts on social media. And I want to end with giving side eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not tradish. My beautiful cousin would respond or you'd be in my dish. Thank you for listening. <laughs>